Hello, beautiful. I'm your host, Samantha Roberto, an intuitive mindset coach who believes in living your best life. And I want to thank you for joining this conversation. We are a space of women empowering women, and each week we feature a new guest, dive into her vulnerable transitional story, because we believe it's important to have these conversations to learn and grow from one another. So stop right now for a minute and go subscribe to get your weekly dose of inspiration. Okay. So I recently did an Enneagram personality test and I could not believe how accurate it was. Not only did it highlight a lot of my strong qualities that usually help me thrive, but, and even more interestingly, it also showed me the parts of my personality that tend to distract me and get me off course from the things I want to achieve. As you know, I'm all about personal development and having awareness to the way that we're living our lives. So getting this type of information, in my opinion, is extremely valuable. So I want to ask you, do you know your Enneagram number? Have you ever even heard of the Enneagram test? If not, I highly recommend looking into it. And this is a reason why I'm so excited for this episode. Today, I'm chatting with Stephanie Baron Hall. Steph is an Enneagram coach who has built a massive audience on Instagram through her Nine Types Co. No, not 90 Pesco. For those of you who've been confusing it, it's Nine Types Co. page dedicated to Enneagram enthusiasts. If you aren't already following her, go look her up right now because trust me, you're going to love the detail that she goes into with the different personalities. And I've learned so much about myself and the people in my life through her account. And I know that you will too. On top of this, she's also pursuing a master's in organizational communications and enjoys talking about self-care, personal development, and personal growth. We dive into the nine different types So see if you can figure out what type you would be. And then she shares her personal journey into how she carved her own path and is doing what she's doing today. So on this note, let's get to it. First off, you're sort of an Enneagram queen. Like to me, I've been following you for a while on Instagram and I love it because I've just been getting to the personality test this year. And I'm curious, have you always been into personality tests? Have you always been like a horoscope kid? Tell me a bit how you yeah. got into this space. It's so funny that you asked that because when I was a kid, there was this American Girl book that I had. It was like a handwriting book. It had little quizzes in it. Like, what's your favorite color? And what does that say about your personality? Even as a kid, I was obsessed with that. I was so into it. I really wanted to look at like what my personality was according to my favorite color, all these different things or like how you write. Like even as a little kid, I was really into it. Just kind of continued on from there. I went to college and studied psychology because I was fascinated by human behavior and then continued to get into different personality tests and all that kind of stuff since then. You noticed it when you were young, you were just always curious and then it sort of evolved and you got more and more and more into it. For the Enneagram specifically, because that is sort of your specialty, can you explain for listeners who have no idea what what is an Enneagram? The interesting thing about the Enneagram is that it's motivation-based. So essentially the Enneagram is nine motivation-based personality archetypes that essentially kind of help you understand who you are and what motivates you. But it's not so much about who you are, but about kind of like the darker, more shadow sides of yourself. That's kind of what's interesting about it is that it focuses more on kind of the internal motivations and how you kind of get in your own way because of your personality type. The Enneagram is called that because it is a drawing of nine 
different types. It's basically a nine-pointed or nine-sided figure. If you see it, it kind of looks like a star, but it has nine points instead of five. Okay. And so when you say the shadow side, is that like the, the thing that sort of fuels your ego? Kind of like the negative aspects of yourself, like those ugly bits that you don't want to pay attention to, but always pop up anyway. Mm-hmm. So before I was into the Enneagram, going back to your earlier question, actually, I was really into Myers-Briggs personality typology. And I thought that that was really interesting. And I was also into a couple of different other motivation-based personality typologies. But what I think those are missing is the attention on the shadow side, the attention on those patterns and behaviors that are holding you back. And the reason those are important is because if we want to talk about growth, we can only grow when we know what's holding us back. If you can find a a way to have the awareness to them, then when you see them creeping up, it's like, wait a second, there's my patterns, you know, and you can sort of deflect it or work through it that way. Mm -hmm. So let's just sort of jump into it. Can you take us through the nine types and sort of give us uh, an overview of each one to maybe help our listeners feel out where they may or may not be? Yeah, for sure. Again, they're about the core motivation. So I'll kind of mention the core motivation for each type and then kind of a little bit of how that plays out. Okay. So starting with type one. Um, So ones are motivated by the need to be truly good, right, and have integrity in the world. And ones are really idealists. They believe that a perfect world could exist, but that they just don't see that world when they look around. And so they work really hard to make that perfect world come to fruition and to be deeply good internally as well. So this is the the type one. They're called the, is it the reformer? The reformer or the perfectionist. And I also really like the term the improver. Yeah. And a lot of my teaching, I don't really use those labels only because sometimes people are like, well, I'm not really a perfectionist, so I don't understand Mm. why I would be called that. And so they get confused, but, um, I think they can be helpful at times. What about type two? Type twos are motivated by the need to be loved and lovable. So what's important for type twos is that they believe that they are most loved and lovable when they're needed. And so they work really hard to help others to really meet the needs of others. Like they're really able to see what others need and they're able to meet those needs. The thing about twos is that they actually can be truly altruistic. They kind of get a bad rap for being like, they just want to be helped so that they can feel loved. But it's not always that. Like when they're more unhealthy, yes, they help in exchange for love. But generally like type twos really do want to help other people and encourage other people. So they're just a very um, giving and loving type. The labels that on type two are like the giver, the befriender and the helper because that's kind of, they embody those characteristics, especially when they're really healthy. Oh, so when you mentioned that, like being really healthy. So within these, like these types, is it like a range? Like when you're healthy, you're operating at one part of the range. And then when you're unhealthy, you're noticing more of the shadow side come out. Yeah, exactly. So essentially there are three basic levels of development, healthy, average, and unhealthy. So in the average space, you'll see the most stereotypical traits. And those are kind of like the characteristics, like I mentioned, where it's like ones have to perfect everything or twos have to help everyone all the time. And then in the unhealthy ranges, you'll see where they're really using those traits to serve their own needs, whether it's by ones getting really black and white and really judgmental or by twos 
really only believing that they're loved when they're helping others and measuring how much they're loved by how much they help others and how much others help them. But then when you're more healthy, you have more balance, you see kind of a little bit more of all nine types. You're really not so much living out of that personality box, if that makes sense. Mm. You almost go away from your type more when you're healthy. What about number three? So type threes are motivated by the need to be worthy and valuable. And they believe that their worth and value comes from their productivity. Often type threes care not only about, you know, working really hard to be productive, their worth and value in the way that others perceive them. It's not solely about being productive. It's also about how others see them. So it's like, you know, like it's almost keeping up with the Joneses in a way. Like I want to be successful. I want to get the good grades so that I can be perceived like this straight A student. Yeah, exactly. And they... They definitely want to seem like they have it all together all the time. Fours are motivated by the need to find themselves and to find their true heart. Fours are are kind of known for being more introspective, for really mourning the things around them that they see that aren't quite the way things could be. So they're a little bit idealistic like ones. And they also are very expressive. So they feel all their feelings fully in the moment and they express them fully, whether that's positive or negative. Fives are called the observer or the investigator, and they're motivated by the need to be competent and self-sufficient, and they really place a high priority on self-reliance. So they basically research everything possible, and they conserve their energy and their resources so that they have everything that they need to depend only on themselves. Hmm. Are they the types that will question, like if you tell them something, that they'll like go back and like research it before they believe you? Like they're the skeptics sort of on everything? Is that a five? Often, yeah. Fives and sixes are both that way. And fives, they tend to be more internal and introspective, kind of like fours, just because it's really important for them to conserve their energy and to only give a measured amount of energy to each thing each day. And, you know, extroversion and introversion are things that can be found in any of the types. So it's it's not necessarily related to that as much as it is. They kind of seek the answers inside themselves. And then so number six, the loyalist? Yeah, they're the loyalist. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So they're motivated by the need to be safe and secure. They find safety and security by perceiving threats and foreseeing threats that might occur and then by planning for them. So they plan for the worst case scenario But it's not because they're pessimistic. It's because they're able to calm some inner fear and anxiety that they might might experience by planning ahead. Others often experience that as being worrisome or or they're overly concerned. But really, sixes are just, they're just kind of planners. And they kind of want to see things coming. And then they make sure that they can um, plan so that things don't go awry. And what about the number seven? On to the next. I feel like I'm a seven. The enthusiast. Sevens are motivated by the need to be free of pain. And so they really want to escape pain, whether it's emotional pain, physical pain, or boredom. And they see the world as full of opportunity and they just run headlong into it. So um, they have some of that idealism that I've mentioned as well. And yeah, they're just all about opportunity and having fun. They see life as an adventure. Definitely me. I'm like, I'm definitely, the more you say it, I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. It's funny because I always say like my freedom is the most important. Like whenever I'm expressing anything, like as long as I feel free, I'm good. So, you know, I want to just feel like I can have a life of adventure and fun and opportunity. And yeah, I definitely see the world through this lens. Yeah, you don't want to get trapped. I do not want to get trapped. It's like the minute I think about it, it's just like, (gasps) I need to escape. (laughs) What about number eight? 
So eights are motivated by the need to protect themselves from vulnerability and betrayal. And a lot of the time that has to do with feeling like they need to protect themselves. They don't want to be controlled by others. And so they really also kind of have this need to be against, and that's not that they're against like they're contrarian. It's more so that they're against things that might overtake them and things that might control them. So they really have like this tough exterior that isn't maybe totally true to who they are deep down, but they just feel the need to to really be self-protective and autonomous. Okay. And, and then, then nines. Number nine, the last one. Last one. So nines are motivated by the need to be at peace internally and externally. And so they kind of have this tendency to put up walls or barriers against anything that will disrupt their peace, whether that's pressure from the outside or pressure from the inside. And one of the ways that they keep the peace is they kind of fall asleep to themselves and their own desires and their own needs because that's the best way for them to feel like they're not being disrupted. Mm. What type are you out of curiosity? Type three. You're a three? Nice. The achiever. You like to get stuff done. I do. Yeah. So so do you feel with these personality types, is this something that from a young age, like if you were a child, you could do this test and you can kind of see what type you're going on? Or is this something that changes throughout life? Yeah. So that's an interesting question because definitely most Enneagram teachers believe that it is nature, not nurture, that creates your personality type or your Enneagram type. Because generally, even through all the things that we experience in life, we have the same core motivation. You can kind of trace that core motivation back to roots as a child. And even experiences that we have as children that we feel like, oh, that's what made me this way. It's like, well, if a different child with a different type experienced that same thing, they might have a different solidifying factor. Instead of solidifying them as a seven, the same experience might have solidified them as a five. But most teachers also, and I totally agree with this, feel like you really should not dabble too much into the Enneagram until you're an adult. 16 to 18 is probably the earliest age to really dive in Mm. because your your personality is still forming. You know, it's still, you're still growing, your brain is still forming and otherwise you risk almost like living into a personality rather Mm. than just like letting it. Really letting it be, letting it evolve and then sort of look and say, okay, this is who I am. How can I learn more about my my motivations or my shadow side to help yeah. be the best now? Yeah, exactly. Though I, I, I don't know. Sometimes I look back on myself as a teenager and I'm like, it would have been nice to know that not everyone thought the same way I did. It could make it easier. Do you find it, yeah. it helps you now knowing the personality tests? Like as you go through life, understanding them on this deep level, do you find like when you interact with other people, you can change your position and you can kind of like – have a superpower that way? In a sense. I mean, I'll say two things about that. So first off, the thing about the Enneagram that's so helpful is just knowing that not everyone thinks the way that you do. At the very most basic level, knowing that other people are different is impactful, right? Because we all have these assumptions about how other people experience the world. And we just think that people experience exactly what we do. So so yeah, like letting go of that assumption and kind of experiencing things a little bit differently and realizing that others experience things a little bit differently can just like help smooth communication in general. And then the other thing I'll say about that is it does help. I feel like because I know the Enneagram so well, I am more able to notice my patterns and choose healthy behavior. But also, just like with anything, I probably can notice other people's unhealthy patterns more than my own. Mm. You know, where it's like, oh, you're really living into your type right now. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you should 
stay instead of running away. You know, (laughs) I can see that in someone else. And then, you know, in myself, I'm like, no, 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 I definitely need to take on five more things onto my schedule. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny because like knowing, I mean, I just did my test about a few months ago and I realized I was a seven. And as a seven, we tend to want to do all of the things and sort of from what I understand, dig a hundred wells one foot deep as opposed to like one one well a hundred feet deep. So mm-hmm. what I've consciously mm-hmm. been working on is what am I taking on my plate? What am I going to move back? And scheduling, I've noticed so much more balance by doing this because prior to this, I would just take all the things because I'd want to do it all. Totally. And I feel like threes share that in a sense. Threes similarly like take on way too much and so I'm kind of in a similar season right now where I am like pairing things back and saying like okay what are the things that I really want to say yes to and what are the things that are not going to be supportive for me right now and just trying to determine that is so hard well I'm I'm so glad that you said yes to this and that you're able to chat with me today so thank you for that (laughs) so if somebody wanted to go do a test and sort of they're curious and like hey there's all these types I want to know what I am where do we direct them It's kind of interesting. I don't love tests. I think a lot of the time they can be inaccurate for people. Tests don't always really measure your core motivation very well. They are better at measuring behavior. There are certain types like sevens that I think are fairly obvious a lot of the time, but other types are not as obvious. And so tests can be really challenging. What I recommend is going to, I mean, they can go to my Instagram and I have a, um, a typing guide or, I mean, Really, there are so many amazing Enneagram resources online and just going and reading through the types and kind of getting an idea that way. Often self-observation is probably more powerful in helping you determine your type than taking a test because when people don't have the skill of observing themselves, they won't be able to see themselves in any type or, or they'll see themselves in all the types. It's just, it kind of muddies the waters. Mm, okay. And then I'm curious about, you've got this platform, The Nine Types, which I love. And like I said, it's initially what drew me to you. How did you get into getting into the social media game and creating this? Can you share that story? It's so funny. So I really got into the Enneagram in 2015, 2016. And I started actually teaching and everything like that in 2018. So I studied it for a couple of years first. But in that intervening time, I was actually a florist. I was doing wedding florals and, um, I, I kind of was like, Oh, this is tapering out. Like I'm not going to be doing that business anymore. I need to do something else. So I started a, an Instagram basically selling coffee mugs for each of the Enneagram types. So I had a local designer create these little icons for each of the nine types. And he actually created two. So I had 18 coffee mugs to start out. And so we took these, icons and created mugs and I sold them online and it was super simple. And so that's how my Instagram started. And then we launched them for holiday 2017. And then I kind of let it slip away. I was like not really posting a ton. And then 2018, that's when the Enneagram started getting really, really popular. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of amped up the social media game again. And during that time, I was also getting my certification to be a coach. And I actually started seeing that people really engaged with content about the Enneagram, not about the mugs. And so that's Mm -hmm. when I started really posting end of 2018, early 2019. So about a year ago is when I started really posting consistently about the Enneagram itself, rather than posting about these coffee mugs that I'd made. People are just so interested in learning about themselves and also learning about others and kind of building their relationship because that's what it's all about, right? It's like that connection to self, connection to others. Those are the things that I really care about. 
and also for people who want to pursue growth in their life. That's who I create content for. And mm-hmm. that's kind of how social media, I think, has been really positive for me. Well, I have to say, I love your mugs. If you can, if you know someone's type, they make the perfect gift because it's like it uh, adds that little special touch. So people definitely have to go check out your site and your Instagram for those. And the other thing I wanted to touch on was with with creating a brand and being on social media, how have you dealt with the praise or the backlash? Have you dealt with any negativity with putting yourself out there too? To touch on my type again really quick. So I am a type three and a lot of what that means is a lot of my um, identity is it's like other referenced, if that makes sense. So um, that's the type three's vice in a sense where it's like they believe that they are who others think that they are rather than mm-hmm. having like their own core sense of self. And so especially at first, when my account started getting a little bit bigger, mm-hmm. I experienced a lot of criticism because I didn't have my face on there ever. Like I never showed up in Like, I didn't want it to be about me. I didn't want people to know who I was. Mm -hmm. But that anonymity kind of created this sense of, like, there's not a human behind it, I think. And so Mm -hmm. I would get a lot of really critical comments and messages. And, I mean, it's fine to not agree with someone online, of course. But I think it was, like, to the point that people forgot that I was a human. And that was really, really hard for me. Mm -hmm. Like, I definitely struggled. And I think that's actually been one of the gifts of this platform over the last year is that it's kind of forced me to to take a step back and reevaluate and find my own sense of self in who I actually am rather than in who others think that I am. Who others, who these strangers, who these people you don't even know online could think that you are without even knowing yeah. you. Yeah. And so I've experienced some some negativity and some criticism, um, even on my post now. If you go look at the comments, you'll find that, you know, um, yeah. it is what it is. But I think now I have more of a sense of someone being like overly kind of nasty in the comments actually says more about them than it does about me. Always. Always. <laughs> and, yeah. And also they're allowed to have their opinions. I don't have to absorb them as part of who I am. Mm-hmm. And that has been a major transformation for me. <laughs> and for the amount of negative, like one thing I want to point out, and this is humans in general, there could be like 99 people praising you and then just the one who gives you that yeah. dig. And we just look at the one and usually it's that one that gets under our skin and that we feel and that we hold on to. And we, we're like, hey, there's so like everybody else is loving it. But there's this like, so what do you do in terms of self-care when that one kind of creeps through? Because I think this is something so Mm -hmm. many people struggle with. First thing, put down the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Just Just put it down. I mean, I have some practices like yoga and meditation that are supportive for me that help me like return to my body and remember that the world is so much more than Instagram, right? Helping myself to remember that is really important for me. There are times I don't always engage or respond to people who are being negative unless they're criticizing other people in my comments. So mm. if if they're being really rude or cruel to others, that's when I'll get involved. But I don't always, you know, engage with that. And when I do engage with it, I try to do it with as much kindness as possible because I, I don't know, I just think that's really important to be both firm and to, to kind of call things out, but also just to be kind because I think a lot of the time 
it's just adding fuel to the fire if you just like yeah. spew negativity right back. I love that, the compassion aspect. I feel like everybody's usually doing the best that they can with what they know. It's just like that person who knows the environment they're in or the negativity that they're around, just having your boundaries, not owning it, you know, sometimes showing your teeth a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When when things really, when, when things do get to me, I, I'm just like, I'll, I'll like, you know, tell someone that I care about or that I know cares about me and just mention that that's what someone said. And a lot of the time they'll kind of say like, hmm, how well does that person know you? Is that a voice worth listening to? Like, what is it about that comment that kind of sunk in for you? Or is there truth to it? And asking those questions to help me more, more so reflect. Because mm-hmm. here's a little fun thing. Types three, seven, and eight have a really hard time feeling their feelings in the moment. So it's like, we're always just like, let's just go on to the next thing. Why, yeah. why waste time feeling? We can just run into the next thing that we have in the future. And the skill of thinking, how am I? How am I feeling today? That is really hard for me. And that's something that I have to build. And checking in in the moment as opposed to sort of being busy and moving on. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I love like even your first suggestion with it. And I think this can be pulled for a comment, whether it's online or anything, put down the phone, like give yourself yeah. space. I think like for me, that represents breathe into it. Like even if you're face to face with someone, if they say something that triggers you, give yourself at least that second to quote unquote, put your phone down, take a breath, take a yeah. couple breaths and then respond. Because I think that space really does give you grace in Mm -hmm. in not reacting yeah yeah i'm curious if you have experienced that too like with your podcasting or your social media or anything like if you've experienced that like what things have you found to be helpful yeah i um you know i remember like when someone when i when i got a like a one star okay for example let's give this like i just (gasps) i just gave out my podcast and you know and and everything was new for me i'm trying something new i'm producing i'm editing i'm doing all of this on my own and then the day, like I've got all five star reviews and then one, this one star came in and literally I felt like I died in the moment. Like it hurt yeah. so much. And I'm just like, yeah. oh, somebody hates me. And, you know, initially oh. I, I took it so personally, like if just my partner mm-hmm. was there and I did say, I'm like, I just didn't know how to react because, you know, as an enthusiast, I just want, you know, everything to be great and good and that. And then I... I sort of breathe into it. I'm like, it doesn't have to be do with me. And then I just thought, you know what? This one star shows that I'm doing something and that I'm making it because, you know, not everyone's going to have an opinion and yeah. they're not all going to jive with me. So I flipped it into a positive way, but it hurt mm-hmm. and I had to process it. Yeah. It, and it wasn't even mean or malicious, but I just don't know who it was. They didn't leave me a review or a comment. And I'm like, how could I be better? You know, like, I'm just like, I want to know what I could have done. So that was my... Yeah, it came to mind. It really sucked. Yeah, totally. Totally. But it's like you learn something from that. And yeah, I think you learn like a sense of mental and emotional strength from it. Totally. It's all but, good. And that's it. But that like also too, I'm just like, you know what, this is a part of the process. Like it's all good. Like your people are going to get this. You hear about it. And I mean, whatever you move on. And then but to my point earlier, you could have 100 people who love it. And then the one who's like, just uh, one, like it's yeah. just and it's just not their thing and that's their right and their opinion but it's just you have to be able to sort of detach and be like keep going and keep walking through it totally i don't know if that's a really seven way of dealing with it what's funny to me is that i've found that specific types tend to be the most critical is that- <laughs> on instagram too 
okay. No, not seven. Oh, so you know, you're like, I could. T- I know which type you are for the or people writing say. those comments. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, oh, so I wonder course. if that one star review is someone who was, maybe they just had a bad day and they just needed to get it out. I don't know. As long as it's not like the other way around. And that's what I looked at. I'm like, you know, at least it's not like 19 or like 20, like, you know, one stars than the one who may like it. I'm like, okay, that's okay. I mean, we all have our people. Yeah. We're all different. Like if, if everyone was the same in our world, how boring would that be? Yeah, totally. That's how I like to look at you it. You hate to be bored. I hate, yeah, I hate <laughs> exactly (laughs) hate it I can't stand it I'm gonna run away for that (laughs) so okay so so what's new for you like what do you have up on the go what's next for you my dear so I have some fun things in the works in February I'm launching for the first time what's called the coaching biz activator so my friend Christy Rolls and I um, and you can find us both on Instagram we kept getting all these questions from like coaches and other entrepreneurs asking us how can I get out of my own way in business or like, how do I actually get paying clients or, you know, just asking all these questions. And so we got so many questions that we decided to create a program for people who are coaches of any sort, as well as for entrepreneurs. So we've kind of created this thing that we're starting and it's awesome because we're both Enneagram coaches and I have a lot of background in more of the social media and growing that platform. And then Christy is a mental health counselor by training. And so we're kind of fusing our gifts and um, yeah, just creating something awesome for people to be more successful in business. Amazing. I love it. I think it's always good to do joint ventures and team up, sort of create something bigger than you guys to help other people. It's beautiful. But you also have a tea line that you recently launched. And I'm excited about that. So tell us about this. Yeah. So my friend, uh, Bet, actually, we went to college together. So we've known each other a long time. And last year, she was like, kind of figuring out what she was going to do next. And um, she got into herbalism. She became an herbalist, which is really awesome. As she was launching her business, I bought one of her very first custom teas. So basically, I told her everything that I was struggling with and all this kind of stuff. And she created a custom tea of herbs and and everything for me. And I loved it. It was like perfect. It was exactly what I needed. So I was like, oh, we should totally do nine teas for all nine Enneagram types. And so basically, we teamed up and I kind of shared with her the core struggles of each Enneagram type. And then she created herbal tea blends that really match the, the types really well. And, and they're really to bring balance. So it's not necessarily like threes get more caffeine and sevens get more caffeine. It's more so like to help kind of bring the type of energy that each type needs to give them to more of a balanced level. Um, so her company is called Drip Den and, and they're so great. Um, so we've had a really great response from them. And that's one thing that we launched November last year. And we're kind of going to do an, a little like revamp um, right Fair. now. So. Very cool. Well, the thing I really love about your story is just the way that it's evolved. And it's just like through following your passion of being like, oh, I'm curious about this. And then coming up with the idea, okay, well, I'm going to make these mugs. The way that life kind of deals you cards. It's really cool to watch somebody Mm -hmm. sort of evolve through their creative process. I mean, yeah. And it's like so funny because when I started this business, I thought I was going to be coaching. Like I thought I was going to be coaching one-on-one with clients 40 hours a week. Not only is that not really sustainable for most people, but 
it's not necessarily like once I started doing it more often, I love my coaching clients, but I realized that I only have capacity for so many. The emotional kind of toll and the emotional energy that it takes, I want to be fully present for all of my clients. And so if I'm going to be fully present, I can only have, you know, a specific amount each week. So I've kind of looked for other ways to to write or to do speaking events or to do trainings or or these different ways to kind of create more engagement, more income, just as as opportunities have come along. So it's really become totally a different thing than what I thought it would be, but I'm loving it. That's life. Yeah. It's like you go in one direction and you think it's going to go this way, then all of a sudden it's like, it'll throw you a card and you like do a hard laugh. But the thing is, you're in the game. You're in mm-hmm. it. You're creative. You're going for it. So I just wanted to thank you so much for doing this today. This is really exciting to hear sort of your path and how you got into being this Enneagram expert and um (laughs) and and you know and and showing our listeners you know giving them a a better sense of the different types and piquing their interest because since i learned about my enneagram it has helped me as such a good tool yeah i love that thanks so much for having me it's been really fun so where can people find you if anybody wants to reach out yeah so um i'm on instagram at nine types co it's all spelled out, Nine Types Co. And then you can also email me at hello at ninetypes.co or go to my website, which is ninetypes.co. All right, there you have it. What did you think? We want to know, after listening to today's episode, what Enneagram type do you think you are? Take and let us know. So tag the Hello Beautiful podcast and Nine Types Co. in your stories for your chance to be featured on our page. Or... If you happen to be tuning in on iTunes or Apple Podcast, leave us a review and let us know your takeaways. Hopefully our conversation piqued your interest into diving into the Enneagrams. And if it did, you can go check out Steph's account. All of her info is going to be in the show notes. And lastly, thank you so much for tuning in. Each week we feature a new woman to share her authentic and vulnerable story. So before you go, do yourself a favor and subscribe to stay up to date on our amazing guests. So until next week, Keep being you, be beautiful.